going backwards, damn it. Let's go. Before I lose my freaking mind, we better figure this out. I'm about to whip somebody's ass. All right, welcome to the show, everybody. This is the Philly Experience Podcast. I'm Max Gretzel, joined today by Tyra Hood and Tanner Go Martin. Eagles week one in the books. We want to recap the game. Uh, you know, it was the debacle in the second half. What the Eagles f- is that? Eagles lose a 17-point lead at halftime to come out uh, 24 unanswered points, and Washington's able to secure the win. So Tanner and I already gave our opinion on it in the bird's nest. Uh, again, if you guys aren't following on Instagram. Get off the box! Um, and we didn't get T's reaction to the game and what he saw and what he wants to see going forward with this team. Uh, moving on to the fills, we want to touch on injuries. Reese Hoskins, JT Real Muto, both banged up, both big parts of this team. We both know that, or we all know that. And the bullpen, obviously, still the worst in baseball. And uh, we want to see uh, what this team has left in the tank uh, going down the stretch and hopefully into the playoffs. And the Sixers have a few names out there that are possibly being considered for the head coaching position. And we want to get our opinions on that. So all that and more, um, T, let's let's lead off here and roll with the Eagles. Uh, we didn't get your opinion on it back in the bird's nest, but we want to we want to hear from you. You're the football guy on the show. Uh, what did you like? What didn't you like? Um, there was a lot to not like more than like. Um, can we just skip the the parts that I did like? Because I feel like the things I didn't like overpower the things I liked. So so let's let's break this down. First off, first and foremost. Um, you, you guys are catching me at a time where I'm calmer. This is towards the next game. So I'm not yelling. I'm not going to hoop and holler. I'm not going to do none of that. I'm going to be calm because I have time to think about it. And I've rationalized um, my mind and my thoughts. So with all that being said, Carson Wentz is on my list. Okay. And that is not a good list either. I'm sorry, but listen. Anybody who has listened to the show knows that I am a Carson Wentz fan. That is my guy. I have defended him time and time again. But what we've seen this past Sunday, I cannot defend. Don't give me the excuse that he got sacked eight times, okay? As a matter of fact, I can prove that four to five of those sacks were his fault for holding on to the football. That's first and foremost, all right? Then on top of that, Carson Wentz with this supposedly Swiss cheese of an offensive line still scored 17 points in the first half, okay? And then all of a sudden, you didn't hear from this offense ever again, all right? So don't give me that crap with Carson Wentz. Don't give me the crap that they didn't have a run game. Okay, you can somewhat blame Doug Peterson for that, but once again, the offense is still moving in the first half. So I don't want to hear, I have, listen, I don't want to hear no excuses for Carson Wentz anymore. None whatsoever. I'm frustrated still to this point, to this day, because I expect better out of him. I expect better out of a fifth year quarterback who has been told time and time again to put two hands on the damn ball. What part of that do not you understand when you are in the pocket and people are around you, two hands on the ball, Fumble twice in the game. I'm sick of this at this point. Same I'm sick old of, Carson Wentz, T. Yes, I'm sick of having to defend this man, okay? I'm not saying that this man isn't great because he is. We've all seen how brilliant and how great Carson Wentz can be. 
but I should not be seeing the same rookie mistakes that I seen in his rookie year, nor should I be seeing the same mistakes that came up in his scouting report, which is him sailing receivers, which is him overthrowing receivers, which is him holding onto that ball in the pocket with one hand and his questionable pocket awareness. These are things that should have been cleaned up over the course of the four years, four to five years that he's been in the NFL at this point. I'm tired at this point. I'm not saying that Carson Wentz needs to go, but he's on my list. He's he's yeah. on a short list. I'll tell you that right now. Yeah, T, I, I agree with you. And it's it's alarming to hear you, especially a Carson Wentz fan, actually admitting that it is Carson Wentz's fault because I know last year you loved putting the blame on other players, and now it's just fully on Carson Wentz, and there, there's no way around it. Now, it's ridiculous. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give out numbers, and I want you to tell me which stat is more alarming. The stat that Carson throws two interceptions in his first game of the season Man, that's or our, our rushing stats with Boston Scott, our rushing leader with 35 yards and nine attempts. Then Corey Clement right behind, he's behind him at he six attempts for 19 yards. Or is it our receiving that alarms you the most with Dallas Goddard taking the bulk with eight catches, 101 yards and a touchdown. Then Rager behind him with 55 yards, but just one. Deshaun Jackson, two catches for 46 yards. What? What part of the offense is really the most alarming to you? You've mentioned Carson Wentz, mm. but now that he has that line in front of him that's not really doing anything and that's it's bothersome, mm-hmm. uh, which stat alarms you the most? So the Dallas Goddard thing, I, I kind of seen coming. It's actually one of the things that I did like coming out of the game. Um, it was It's funny because we actually discussed this a, to a little bit when we talked about you know, the potential of moving on from Zach Ertz with, you know, his contract is coming up. I think he has two years left on his contract now, and he's asking for a raise. And the reality is that the Philadelphia Eagles just might not be in a position to pay him. So seeing Dallas Goddard emerge as such, I think is very encouraging. And the fact that I, I finally get to see a tight end break, break through a tackle, which is amazing to me because I'm not used to seeing it anymore on this team, I think is incredible. So I did like the fact that Dallas Goddard did step up this game and man, he balled out. No doubt about it. That Jalen Rager bomb was incredible, especially considering who he beat on that play. He beat the 2019 burnt toast of the year winner, Ronald Darby on just a simple double move. And it just brought back so many good memories, man. Well, let let me tell you this, what, Really, it got me about Rager was the first play we see him in. He fumbles that uh, that ball. The uh, I believe, yeah, it was a punt. He fumbled that yeah. right away. They took him out. They put someone it's in. Bunch they, of they low lives. But yeah. that was really a, alarming to me uh, to see Rager. And then you know it cooled off when you see him catch that uh, that ball for fifty five yards. But that's also something to uh, to look at. His could he have a problem with drops? We're also familiar with Nelson Aguilar list. This season, could we have another situation with him? See, I'm not ready to say that just yet because it's just the one time where he dropped it, and he I don't I don't remember a time where he dropped a pass for the rest of the game or any ball that came his way. So I'm not going to necessarily say we have another uh, Nelson Aguilar in our hands. Oh, oh God, I don't even want to bring up Nelson Aguilar. That's just bad memories all over again. No, we don't want to go that far. No, we yet. don't want to go that far. But I was very encouraged by what uh, what I seen out of Jalen Rager. Now, in terms of the running game before I get more deeper into the passing game. The run game was absolutely horrendous, and it wasn't the fault of the backs. This is where Doug Peterson is going to get some of this blame too. How do you only run? You, 
the ratio of pass and run was absolutely ridiculous. So, okay, I see what the Eagles did in the offseason. So they brought in a whole lot of coaches to kind of evolve the offense and kind of, you know, um, you know, bring some more bring some more spark to the offense, some spontaneity per se. So what they started doing, and I don't know if you guys noticed this or not, but they did a lot of play action plays. I love that. I love the fact that, you know, you're getting the defense thinking and maybe you can get a defense out of position, and that's where the big plays can open up in the intermediate and deep down the field. However, here's the problem. Nobody's going to fall for those um, deep passes or those play, those play action passes if the run game isn't working. Even if the run game isn't working, the fact that you are still attempting to run the ball still puts a, a thought in the back of the defense's minds. Okay, we're stopping the run, but they can still pop one on us real quick. So we need to kind of pay attention to that. It's things like that that frustrate me with about Doug Peterson. You bring in all these offensive coaches. You have no offensive coordinator yet. And still you're still too doggone stubborn to realize that you still need to run the damn ball, regardless of the fact that you aren't really running it that successful. And you're down your main running back in Miles Sanders because of a hamstring injury. No excuses. Continue to run the ball. Boston Scott was able to get off a couple of five, seven yarders. Let's keep running them. I don't know what the heck was going on. I don't know what was the game plan going in to put it in Carson's hands. No, not with this wish cheese of an offensive line. Absolutely not. I'm disappointed in that. I, I truly, truly am disappointed in the game plan. I don't understand what the thought process was going into the week. I, I truly don't. And so apparently a lot of people were complaining about how Deshaun Jackson was on the sidelines and things of that nature. Okay. He says he, he wasn't injured and, Doug Peterson, Coach Peterson came out and said that, you know, they're they're being cautious with him. Okay, I don't know how much I believe that. I, I don't know. I think this is really – I think he's getting older. I think, you know, his body is starting to catch up to him, which is why I'm kind of glad we got all these receivers now that, you know, Carson Wentz does have a little bit of trust in. So uh, – because I'm not encouraged by what I've seen out of, out of Deshaun Jackson too, too much. But – I. <sighs> I, I'm just frustrated at this point because, you know, I I, I kind of had higher expectations for this offense, and I'm unfortunately disappointed. It's the same problems every year, T. It is. Uh, listen, I, I'm one of the guys that was concerned about seeing Deshaun Jackson on that sideline, just not looking comfortable. And you got to go back. And was it worth bringing him back to this team? Well, they signed him for an extension when we first traded for him. A- um, a year ago. So he's still under contract, if I'm not mistaken, for another two years. So um, I think he's not going to play. That's the thing, though. Like, they're not they're not going to they're not going to have him in on the majority of the plays anymore because of, you know, where he's at in his age. And I guess they're trying to preserve him for later in the season. I guess that's the line of thinking. But I'm sorry if you have to concern yourself with that, then I think it's time to find another dog on receiver. OK, I think it's time to start drafting some young guys reliable draft picks, which I'm going to get into that a little later, which is also the ire of my frustration. But you've got to start getting fresher, younger legs. I don't know how I don't know how hard that is or to understand. I just don't get it anymore. Like what yeah, are y'all see, no, like what are y'all seeing that we're not seeing? Let me let me ask you this question. I know the I know the Eagles are a big fan of two tight end sets, you know, Goddard and Ertz are like a lot together. I like that. I've been an advocate of trading Ertz. Um, I, this is a business. I know he wants to stay in Philly the rest of his career. I don't think 
Um, it's a smart idea because of how many needs we have all over this team right now. So I know that we are going to need a second tight end. I mentioned this on the last show that's capable of stepping in there and playing a big role in the you. offense. Mm-hmm. Now, would you be in favor of trading Ertz depending on what you receive? Um, if you can get like a second round pick or something like that. It's funny that you mentioned that because I did see um, a rumor going around that Cowboys may be possibly looking to move on from Zach Martin, their yeah. um, all-star right guard. So it's interesting that we have an open position at right guard where we're struggling and they need a tight end with um, Jarwin being out with injury. So hmm, I would honestly entertain that. I, I honestly would because Zach Ertz at this point, he he's he has less years ahead of him than he does behind him. So he, he's not going to last that much longer. And he's really just a big body receiver. Like as I've said it before, I'm not doubting his skill. I will put Zach Ertz and argue with that. He is the top one of the top three tight ends in the NFL today. Bar none. I will argue with anybody. I will go to war with anybody who says anything differently. However, you have to start looking at the future of this team. For some reason, Philadelphia teams have a knack of holding on to players just way too long. All right. Now you have an opportunity to get value for Zach Ertz before he potentially hits free agency. And you don't get Jack squat for him. Trade him while you ha- while he has value, while you have the opportunity to, and you can potentially fill holes in the process. Tay, hey, uh, you were just mentioning the trade that you would do with the Cowboys, and you're willing to put Zach Ertz, one of the best tight ends in the league, on a team with our division rivals. Are you kidding me? Look. Look, at this point... That, to me, it just doesn't make sense. Look, at this point, I'm willing to try and do anything to uh, create running lanes and to protect a protect my quarterback because what I'm about to get into now is probably one of the more frustrating parts because y'all know, um, of all the film I watch, the main people I watch are the big guys up front. Okay? I hate to say this, and I, I, I just hate to be that guy. I really do. But I told everybody so... Jason Peters got his ass kicked on Sunday by a damn rookie, an albeit talented rookie in Chase Young. But, man, I have never seen an all-pro tackle just get absolutely dominated, dominated by Chase Young. And I'm just I'm just sitting there going, dude, he's getting help from the running back, chipping him. I remember one sack where Corey Clement was going out on the route. Chase Young spun inside and left Jason Peters standing there gasping for air. And I'm just sitting there going, dude, what the hell? Really? Seriously? I'm like, this is what we have to deal with at the tackle position. I'd rather take a chance with Jordan Mailata. I'm serious at this point because we all know who Jason Peters is at this point. He's not the same Jason Peters in the past. There was really no point of bringing him back. And honestly, you should have really searched hard, searched high and low for um, some replacement tackles and guards. And that goes to the front office. At yeah, this listen, I, I said from the jump, this is probably a 7-9 and nine team. And, uh, you know, give Tanner credit, he called the Washington win on Sunday. He did. Um, but overall, this team is not good, um, to say the least. I mean, I know people are going to sit here on their own shows and they're going to say uh, they're, they're going to try to think of positives. And they're going to say – um, you know, have some confidence in Carson and then have some confidence in Doug. But when you have an offensive line that's in shambles like we do, 
Um, we can't get any pass rush, it seems like, last week either uh, on Dwayne Haskins. What's the and, problem uh, now? All right, I'm going to get into that in a minute, but go ahead. Yeah, yeah, no, no, I, I'm with you. Uh, like, like we had Darius Slay, um, who was brought in on a big contract, and I'm, I'm just looking towards the future here and how many holes we need, and I'm really not looking forward to um, the rest of this season. And I, I mean that because um, I personally think that the most important thing on a football team is the offensive line. I think it doesn't matter how talented your quarterback is. If you don't have an offensive line to block, then you're not going to win many football games, especially when you have a Washington defense that's as dominating as they did. You know, Chase Young, Jonathan Allen, Ryan Kerrigan, the list goes on and on. So uh, this offseason coming up, and yeah, I'm going to look forward. I'm looking. I'm going to look ahead to the offseason right now. Um, <laughs> wow. You have you have Brandon Brooks right, who's paid a fortune, uh, two major injuries in two seasons, and still owed money on that contract. Uh, Lane Johnson, who we're hoping he plays this upcoming weekend, coming off of that ankle surgery. Jason Peters is gone after this year, hopefully. I mean, geez, please, God, I've had enough. And I'm, <laughs> I, I, Andre Dillard is another major question mark with his injury that he just sustained uh, a few weeks ago. So when I look towards the like the future here, the offensive line needs to be the priority when we're talking about signing players, when we're talking about drafting players, you know, we need to use these picks because listen, I know people, I know it's only week one. I don't want to overreact, but this is definitely not a playoff team. And I'm, I'm going to say it right now. Yeah. Okay. We, I'm not going to say we don't have a shot against the Rams, but the Rams are better football team on paper. We know it's hard. uh, I'd be surprised if we kept the game within single digits on Sunday. I really am. I would be very surprised. Uh, I almost hate to agree with you, but man, I, I, I don't see a scenario where I can't, I can't disagree with you because man, like it's, it sends me and it's disappointing. So, okay. Whoever, you know what? I forget the guard's name. And, and, and frankly, I don't care because he's a scrub. All right, he was he was Nate Herbig. Nate Herbig. He, he was Nate horrible. Herbig. All right, I have never seen somebody that big just get put on their ass multiple times. I will say this though, Jack Driscoll, not bad, not bad at all. Yeah, I feel he, as though, he left with that injury. It yeah, hurt us big time. Yeah, I feel as though if he were um, playing next to a guard that knew exactly what they were doing, I feel as though he his performance would have been even better. And I just feel like it would have covered up for a whole lot less problems that we ran into on Sundays. But Jack Driscoll, he he did his thing. Good versatility. Yes. Yeah, good versatility. Yes, I love his feet. I loved his hands. Um, you know, he's not the flashiest guy in the world, but I think he'll get better with time. I think that was a good draft pick um on the Eagles behalf. Now, going into the defense, I'm gonna be honest with y'all. A lot of people winning, winning about the defense, and they were really disappointed in the defense. Uh, I'm not. I, I tip my cap to the defense, and it's one of the. This is one of the few times on this show that I've actually been able to tip the cap to the defense and say that the defense did the damn thing on Sunday. If it wasn't for the fact that the damn quarterback kept putting the defense in a position where the Washington football team had um, great field advantage and things of that nature, this defense would have been dominating as they did before so like it's just it's it's frustrating that the defense unfortunately um were it's it's frustrating that the defense was just 
so dominant and it it just it was wasted. It it truly truly was wasted. Unfortunately. Yeah. See, I'm not going to call the defense dominant, but it definitely put on a show in the first half, you know. They didn't let the, the Washington football team score. And I want to give the red or I'm going to set it again. I want to give the Washington football team credit. You know, Dwayne Haskins didn't have the best game, but he didn't turn the ball over. And that Washington defensive line, arguably one of the best in football. So uh, they they honestly have uh, looking like a solid future there in, in Washington. Now they go across country. They had to Arizona. We'll see this weekend. I'm looking I'm looking forward to the upcoming games. But with this Eagles team this Sunday, um, you know, what, what do you think is going to happen? I mean, listen, they're probably going to be prepared. I think Doug had a yeah. bad coaching game yes, he last did. week. It was one of the worst coaching games but, I think he's had. In yeah, he always memory. has the guys prepared, though. Yeah, I, yeah, I hope he'll have them prepared. I, I, I definitely do believe that. Miles Max, Sanders comes back. You know, the Lane mm-hmm. Johnson's back. They're getting a few solid players back off injury. And Max, you said, um, you said that you didn't really see a pass rush. I'm gonna be real with you. There was two guys that stood out for me. One guy I did expect, and that was Malik Jackson. You know, in the beginning of the yeah. game, you First know, he came plays. in and he made his impact felt. His impact was truly felt really throughout the game. But another guy that I did not see coming and nobody seen coming, Josh Sweat. If he keeps playing like that and putting pressure on the quarterback like that and coming off the edge and showing off those moves, um, Derek Barnett might be uh, out of here soon. Fletcher Cox, another disappointing day. I mean, this guy's <laughs> getting paid near a $100 million contract, and he hasn't been dominant in no. maybe not even last season. And I'm not going to make excuses for the injuries, and I understand no. that, but he needs to play better, man. He needs to get through the center, through the guards, and get to that quarterback. We saw him two, three years ago absolutely dominate um and that and he just hasn't done that since then and it's kind of frustrating i'm just not well, i'm not paying you me, that much money to to just be lackadaisical i'm not let me tell you guys something this game we can talk about who performed well who didn't perform well but the difference maker in last game and what will be the difference maker in the game coming up against the rams is coaching as we touched on and the difference maker between the washington football team and us was that at halftime, after Carson throws 182 yards, two touchdowns, right before halftime, Carson throws that interception. Mm-hmm. The Redskins score. They go into the locker room. They have energy. Mm-hmm. In the locker room, Ron Rivera tells the team, game's not over. Plenty of time left to play. He's been in these spots before, and he's just a great coach to be in Washington. Washington's very lucky to have him. They are. To come back down 17 and win a game, that's a division game that they won, and that's a game that they deserve to win. Uh, as much I'm as we, sick of this. as much as we hate team. to admit it, that's yeah. yeah. They're the only undefeated team right now and, in our division. Yeah, yeah. Go figure. Hey, a nameless team. Let me tell you. I want to ask you this question because now that Wentz struggled in Week One, he yeah. hasn't been the same self since the injury to his ACL and. Uh, I want to ask you this question now. Uh, Jalen Hurts, who didn't even dress on, <laughs> in week one. I knew these questions were going to start popping the, up. The GM <laughs> and Howie Roseman, he's on the hot seat for me. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, I get it. You know, actually, to be honest with you, I don't get it because here's the thing. You brought back Nate Sudfeld, right? You brought back Nate Sudfeld, mm-hmm. and I think he's just – I mean, he's a backup quarterback, but he's nothing special. I, I, I'd rather have Hurts, honestly, and I – like. Burt, you see Joe Burrow getting thrown into the fire the first two weeks. Well, I mean, Hurts can't even be the backup. I mean, come on. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't understand why he was drafted in the second round. I think we can all agree with that. But at the same time, now that he's on this roster, 
do you start to scratch your head and think Jalen Hurts, is he a possibility in the future? And I, I'm not saying this season, but maybe next year if, or if once, you know, either can't stay healthy or just underperforms. It's, it's funny that you bring that up because um, I, I've stated before on plenty of occasions that those first three draft picks I want on the roster and I want playing and I want starting bare minimum, solid starter, first round draft pick. He better make it to the pro bowl. He better be an all pro. Second, third rounds, I'll take a solid start any day of the week out of those rounds. So we could use a solid so, lineman right about now, T. Yeah, so that second round. Third string. That second round pick. That second round pick of Jalen Hurts, boy, I tell you. I am pissed off. It irritates my living soul every single time I think about it. But then I saw how Carson Wentz played. And I'm saying to myself, huh, I wonder. I wonder. I wonder if the pressure is possibly getting to number 11. Huh. I wonder if the franchise really is, are they really invested in the 11? Really? Cause if they were, I don't think you would have drafted him in the second round to hell with that crap about, Oh, we're a quarterback factory. Man, the hell with that. All right. Well, listen, I, I think that this may be Jalen hurts, maybe a reset button in a way for mm-hmm. Howie Roseman. Uh, next year, we figured out Carson once cannot be uh, a reliable starter in the league. And then Howie Roseman just plugs Jalen Hurts in there and says, see, I had us all along. I figured it out. I was thinking ahead. And that's just what I get from it. But my issue yeah. is this, though. It's the simple fact that you that second-round draft pick could have been used to draft a linebacker, a lineman, on either side of the football, you had holes on this roster that you truly needed to fill, and you filled it with a quarterback. Now, because of the way Carson played, it om- it's about to almost, and I know it's only week one, but it's almost about to seem like mm, maybe that wasn't a waste of a draft pick after all. However, it, it still doesn't take away from the fact that that draft pick could have been used for something else. And, and speaking of Howie Roseman, and I'm glad that you said that, Max, because I said the same thing in the beginning, if you remember a couple episodes ago about in my in my mind, Howie Rosen being on the hot seat. I actually have in front of me um the drafts of um of Howie Roseman of the Philadelphia Eagles for the past five years, not counting the year twenty twenty. All right. So in the year twenty fifth we know you know we're not gonna count twenty fifteen because that was that was Chip Kelly's year. Twenty sixteen though. So here's the thing. Out of all the players that were drafted in the year twenty sixteen, only Carson Wentz, Isaac Ciamalu, and Vitae just left, so really there's only two players left from that from that draft class. So next year, 2017, everybody is going except for Derek Barnett and Nate Gary. All right, that was the draft that had Sidney Jones, Rasul Douglas, Back Collins, Danelle Promfrey, Promfrey, Shelton Gibson, and Elijah Qualls. All right, next year, 2018, all right, maybe a little bit better. You got Dallas Goddard, you got Avante Maddox, Josh Sweat, Jordan Malata, and Matt Pryor. Okay, we still have those players. 2019. Okay, 2019. <laughs> Yo, Andre Dillard, who's not even playing. Miles Sanders, Artiga Whiteside didn't even get a ball thrown his way. Um, Sharif Miller, who's Artiga now not even on a roster, and Clayton Thorsten, who's now I th- I believe oh he's still in the, who on the Dallas Cowboys practice squad. That is horrible. That is that could be the worst draft class I've ever heard of in history of draft classes. Nah, nah, I think Andy Reid. That is horrible. Andy Reid's second to last. No, nah, Andy Reid's second to last one was bad because the only the only player that was left on that team is Jason Kelsey. And that was the year that they drafted Yeah, but Andy he's Walker's an all-pro. Name one guy on that last draft class that's worth anything. 
<laughs> like, let's be honest here. I mean, listen, we, we need to invest in the offensive line. Like, look at the Cleveland Browns. They bring in Taylor Lewan, a left tackle, and then they draft uh, that Jedrick Wills out of Alabama. And now they're running the ball with a two-headed monster. We saw last night Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb. Uh, you know, you got to get studs on the O-line. And I'm not saying Jalen Hurts would have played well on Sunday because, he, you know, he's got probably going to have guys running after him because right. the O-line's horrible. But uh, I think, you know, he's a possibility in the future. Him, him in college played well. Obviously, we saw him in Alabama, Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. Uh, both great seasons for him. I want winners. Two seasons Alabama, one at Oklahoma. Um, and I think, yeah, he, yeah, listen, he can be a possibility for the future. Obviously, he's still on this team. But, again – the thing that I see in Wentz is the, that's my biggest concern is not the decision-making, not the accuracy, it's the legs. You know, we saw him take off and run a ton of times when he was a superstar that one season before he hurt his A's or tore his ACL. And he hasn't gotten outside the pocket since then much. He hasn't run. He hasn't made those flashy plays that we're accustomed to seeing. And that's probably my biggest concern is mobility. I don't know if just tearing the ACL – uh, has had a few. I mean, we've seen guys come back from it and still have that explosiveness. Maybe it's different for him. And I just haven't seen that same level of, you know, that, that running ability, that same level of explosiveness outside the pocket, running down the sidelines, outside the pocket, making a spinning, uh, making guys, ma- making linemen miss uh, when they die to tackle them and things like that. That's the, that's the scariest thing for me. And I, and if you ask me right now in two years, or maybe even next year is Carson one starting here. I don't think so. It's and, and part of that, part of that's going to be because of our record. Cause I don't think we're going to have a good record, but another part of that is definitely his play. Oh no. You have a, you have a bad offensive line. You still have a solid quarterback, but listen, Wentz didn't have a good game regardless uh, on Sunday, even yeah. when there was decent protection, he still made poor throws and bad decisions, holding the ball onto the football yes. team, holding the ball too long, yes. fumbling multiple times. I mean, it's the same thing that we've seen. It's just frustrating. And, and like, so on those two interceptions, I blame Carson Wentz and I blame coaching because one of the things, one of the things that was negative about Carson Wentz coming out of college was that he stared down his receivers. Now, he didn't do it the year of the Super Bowl. He did not do it. He ran through his progressions. I don't know why he's regressed back to staring down receivers. So that was problem number one. Okay, so after the first interception, I can excuse. So Jalen Rager was supposed to um, – Jalen Rager was running a, what's called a comeback route. He was supposed to run about 10 or 12 yards and then come back to the ball. Jalen Rager didn't come back to the ball far enough. However, the corner ran the play better than Jalen Rager. I have a problem with that because, one, that's predictability. Two, that means the defense knows exactly what you're doing, which means that the play calling stinks. All right. And if you seen that the corners were that aggressive on that play in the back of my mind as a play caller, and I'm not really an offensive guy, but if I see that from a defensive player and I'm like, okay, I got something for you. I'm going to run a double play on your behind. I'm going a, I'm to a do, um, do a double take. And instead of me doing a comeback, it's going to be an up and out. Double move to the outsides. It's the creativity that's missing in this stinking offense. Where yeah. is the creative? Where uh, is the mismatch set? All right. I, I don't know if I have a shorter intention span than everybody else, but when I see the offensive line that we have or, or the just the players that aren't good, I, I want to pull the plug on them because I'm a big picture guy. And at the end of the day, every year you go into this to the season wanting to win a Super Bowl. Of course. And this team, I mean, yeah, like I get it. All the fans of Philadelphia, yeah, like let's get a W, let's focus on each week. But at the end of the, at the end of the day, it's about winning the Super Bowl. We're not even anywhere close to that right now. So I'm not pulling the plug on Carson yet. No. But I do know for sure that 
this offensive line needs to be upgraded. I want to give an example real quick, and that's the Indianapolis Colts. Great offensive line, great defensive line. Yeah, they lost week one, but I think the problem is Phil Rivers. I mean, yeah. they, they really did problem. pick a poor quarterback. Uh, listen, Rivers has been solid his whole career, but at this age, I just didn't think he was the right fit there. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when we get down the road um, and hopefully get back to that kind of level of talent on the lines and the defense as a whole in Indianapolis is solid too, and they have playmakers in T.Y. Hilton. But when we get back to being a team like that, hopefully in the near future, um, I just hope uh, when we have that talent that Carson's able to at least be capable enough to win a Super Bowl because that's that's I the agree. goal at the end of the day. Listen, Foles was able to do it, and I'm not, I think Wentz has the talent. Um, you know, and I don't think you need a superstar quarterback to win a Super Bowl. But um, the the question remains to be seen. I think this upcoming draft, and we say it every year, every draft is so important. But uh, listen, Howard Rose in the last few drafts, like you just mentioned, hasn't been great. And that's the reason why I think he's on the hot seat. And I And we go back to the Ertz thing, I would trade him. You know, I, I know our scheme is two tight ends, and that's a big reason why people are holding back with it. But I think the offensive line is the most important thing right now. I agree. I, I, and Miles Sanders is a superstar running back, man. Like, like he's. I, I know I, I mentioned that I'm missed. not sold on him, but if he's going to be this three down workhorse, which I think he has the capability of doing, I don't think he's there yet, but I think he's capable. You got to open those holes for him. Now I, I just want to entertain this Ertz uh, deal. I'm, there's you've seen the Chicago Bears. There's drama right now with their wide receiver Allen Robinson. Mm-hmm. He doesn't want to be involved with the team. I'm just entertaining the thought of Allen Robinson, a guy entering his last of three-year deal with a team that he wants nothing to do with. Just keep your eye on Allen Robinson. I agree with that. I agree with that. Mm-hmm. That's Allen Robinson is a very talented wide receiver. I think we've seen him multiple years. He did have that ACL injury a couple of years ago. I'm not going to call him an ace wide receiver. I mean, listen, no. he would hands down be the best on our team by far. And that's a scary thing, too. When you look at our team right now, uh, the weapons on the outside. If we get, if we were to get rid of Ertz, I think Goddard's capable of being better. I, I personally think Goddard's. I, I don't know if you could say he's better right now, but you can make the argument definitely blocking oh, and and he's a better know, blocker. He, um, he's he a, gets the opportunity like like he did eight catches, 101 yards, like he had when he gets the target share and he gets the catches. He he, he proves it, man. And I tell he you what, thing, man. Um, Zach Ertz did not help himself out at all in that fourth down play, crucial moment. He did not help himself out by dropping that ball. Okay. You talking about you wanted to be paid. You want to be the best. You want to be paid like the best tight end in the NFL. You can't do stuff like that. I know Zach Ertz has come up with some clutch plays in the past, but he came up short. And this is a league about what have you done for me lately? I can't look back at the past. I got to look at what you just did. What you just did was I can, some arguments can say that you lost me the game. Because let me we say, kept let the me drive say this alive. real quick. See, after week one, and I know people say don't overreact week one, but let me tell you something. Just trade up and get C.D. Lamb. I mean, God, that <laughs> dude is going to be a superstar wide you know receiver. What? National TV on Sunday night. I was, you know, I was able to watch the whole game. I'm not overreacting to week one, but but this guy is talented. He's quick. He runs great hey, routes. Hey Max, I mean, hey Max, let me tell you something real quick before you before you get continue you on said, to the rant. You said we didn't need a slot guy. I said we yeah we we need talent on the outside regardless. The same problem with Justin Jefferson. I Everybody agree. was like, oh, we don't need a slot man. Jo- Jefferson's in the slot. I, I don't agree care, with you. Steve. I, I agree with care. you. I agree with you. But hear me I, out. Hear me out on this. I'm going to surprise you. Now, usually Tanner's a stats guy. 
But I seen a stat the other day that blew my mind. Do you know out of all the rookie wide receivers, Jalen Rager still holds the most yards. <laughs> the most yards. He had the 55 on one Bob, On one I catch. Say. On one well, catch. It took on one catch. CeeDee Lamb, CD Lamb had four, if I'm not mistaken. He had five for 59. Still, one oh, catch. Way. Listen, Greg Ward, are you kidding me in the slot? Have CD there. He's a difference maker. Who's going to match up with him? What slot corner is going to be? There's not too many off the bat what you think can match up in the slot with CD Lamb. And that's just another weapon Carson could have had. That's why I'm so frustrated with Howie, man. He's, he, it just seems every move he makes recently, uh, he's wrong majority of the time. I mean, we all sat here on draft night, and you see CD slip down the, slip down the board, slip down the board, and we're hoping, oh, man, like, all right, he's right there for the taking. Let's go up and get him. And then not on, on top of that, he goes to the Cowboys of all teams. And now it's just going to be a rough future there. Uh, yeah, Dallas lost, but it wasn't this because is of the Mike, Mike McCarthy made some questionable decisions. But CD, man, I, I, it's frustrating. It, it, I, it's probably just the week one loss sinking in. But he would be, he would be such a great weapon to have because – yeah, I talked about the offensive line, but the receiving core. The at behind Rager, who's promising, you know, you have Jeffrey, who's probably gone after this year. Deshaun, uh, who I didn't even think we should have. I, I know at the time people thought it was a good idea. We, we didn't need him. I mean, at that time we needed him. Now we needed a deep threat. We needed a deep threat. I didn't yeah. necessarily we needed him, but yeah, no, I know at the time we needed a deep threat. But yeah. now looking back on it, I mean that, and, and then we extended him, like you like you mentioned, like. I just think it's poor. It, it, everything all all around has been poor, like, and the problem is it's all they're they're old, yes. and the contracts are short, and it's multiple positions. Yeah, so, there's there's tons of stuff wrong. Yeah, yeah. But to you know, to, before we switch over to topics, you just gotta you gotta look at around the league, and you gotta be thankful we don't have a coach like Vic Fangio. <laughs> Right. If you guys watch that Broncos game, that is just even worse coaching than what we saw. You dumbass. At least we don't have Steven Goskowski. It could be worse. Yeah, it, it, you could be having a Steven Goskowski kind of day. It, you know, you never know. Or if you could have a Nick Falcon. For those people who All don't right. know who I'm talking about in terms of kickers, look him up. Yeah, All we, right. we let the bandit off. What do we got next here? Uh, we got the Phillies, and oh, as you can see, there's some relevance to our background. Um, it's the Phillies bullpen is our background, and listen, this bullpen, awful. And, you know, I have the background. We got our ass kicked. Us, us three could be capable of being in this bullpen <laughs> at this point right now. It's, we've seen it before in games, and we saw it last night. We eventually we lost 10-6 to the Mets. Uh, it, it's just Game after game, giving up comfortable leads. You're ahead by more than two runs late in the game. That that's three or more runs is a comfortable lead to me, and that's just given up by the bullpen time after time again. Max, I'm sick of this. Is it time to throw in the towel? Is there anything that we that the Phillies can do, or are we just going to watch them burn out? We got to fix the well, damn well, bullpen. T- t- <laughs> t- let me just say this. You know, we forgot we forgot to tell you last night. Me and Tanner actually head down to the stadium uh, around really? the seventh. We we brought our gloves with us and we were outside <laughs> outside the gate, hoping somebody would let us in. Um, but you know, unfortunately, it didn't work out for us <laughs> and the bullpen. Not only, but but to answer your question, Tanner, uh, yeah, uh, this thing where it's going to be a slow, painful crawl. It's going to be a 76er situation. It's going to be okay. 
we know they're going to make the playoffs, but we know they're going to get swept in the first round. You know, that that's it's going to be a slow, painful crawl to the end of the season. There's nothing we can do. Uh, another GM who's on the hot seat in Philadelphia, Klentak. Ooh, I'm glad you brought him up. It's a makeshift bullpen. You know, he brings in Brandon Workman and guys. And at the time, we were all like, oh, okay, different names. That was a big thing. Okay, they aren't the same names that we're accustomed to seeing. But these guys weren't talented. I mean, if you saw the ERAs of Heath Hembury and David Hale, who the Yankees were, were trying to get rid of regardless, it's not like we made a good deal. He was literally designated for assignment, and we brought him in. The ERAs were above four for, for Workman, who, who may have had been in a high threes, but Hembury was definitely over four. Uh, it's it's been a joke it's been an absolute joke of a bullpen and it, the the gm matt contact should be just ashamed of himself and and, yeah. and people are going to sit here and say oh bright he brought in bryce harper he didn't bring in bryce harper all he had to do was say hey bryce here's the checkbook how much you want i mean it's not that hard so that that's what's the most frustrating thing yeah the money brought bryce harper in no doubt and you yeah. mentioned these new names adding to the bullpen these were just new names to disappoint us. These were new names to write up on the whiteboard and mark with red pen that these are just not good players in our bullpen. And those additions were supposed to help us. It's just, it's a head scratcher. They were supposed to help us and they turned out they're hurting us even more than you could argue. We already were. I mean, yeah, it was already just a fire. It was already going to be an explosion in the bullpen. And then you just go and add just, ridiculous awful talent to the bullpen like workman and it's 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 been a horrible you might as well just take a flamethrower and, and just burn down the whole bullpen i'll it's take my this boy. picture and throw it in the trash it's yeah my, <laughs> it's my Not, boy as my boy chris always mentions man. you piece of swiss cheese i'm sorry yo and um you know what and i'm glad that you brought up matt clintech because i'm actually i actually came across an article somebody sent me um from the inquirer um by matt breen and I, I kid you not, this is exactly what Man Clintac says. He said the Phillies have absolutely enough pitching. Here's the exact quote. Here's the exact quote. I'm not kidding when I say this. I absolutely think we have enough starting pitching and bullpen pitching to compete. Are you bleeping kidding me? We have the worst bullpen. And that's oh, just not gee. my opinion. That's my stats, okay? This is horrible. Clintac got the go. I keep bringing up Brandon Workman because he was supposed to be the dominant closer. He was good last year in the closer's role from Boston. I, I didn't say anything about Heath Henry. I didn't think he was going to be anything. David Hale especially as well. And then we brought in David Phelps, who I know from years of playing fantasy baseball, this guy's not good. I, I knew he wasn't. Listen, he had a good year with Milwaukee last year. Don't get me wrong. He had a good year with Milwaukee. What's he here and for? We bring him in. I knew he wasn't going to be anything special. He's da- David Phelps. I mean, what do you expect from the guy? <laughs> I'm angry at at Brandon Workman just because he was so good and solid last year. Like he wasn't a Josh Hader or Kenley Jansen type, but he was a solid closer, and he's been definitely the biggest disappointment. It's it's so it's so upsetting, especially when you have a a better roster than you've had in the last couple of years with new guys like Alec Bohm. You got JT Romuto, best catcher in baseball. All right. why he hasn't been signed, we're not going to get into it. That uh, is blasphemous. Bryce Harper, Reese Hoskins was on fire for for a short point in time. Um, he's he's still playing all right. He's you as you mentioned, he's he's injured now. But then you throw this bullpen on top, and it just makes the whole team worse. I know you obviously need a bullpen, but these guys are just—they're finding them outside of the stadium. It seems like. <laughs> They're picking trash up and they're throwing a glove on them. 
uh, putting a hat on them. And there's guys coming out of the bullpen crushing Red Bull cans coming out. What the hell is going on? That's such a great performance in the game. And it's just disgusting. And then you see Hector Neris. Oh, God. Right? Okay. A, a name that I'm just tired of. I can't believe it's coming out of my mouth still. Okay. I can't believe that I'm saying this man's name year I'm after year. I'm sick of this. Still on this Phillies team. He balks. Like, like it's a little league mistake. He balks, walks in the winning room. He just drops the ball. He just drops the ball. What's he here out for? on the mound. Nah, man. It, I don't know if he was having a flashback to his little league days. I have no idea. That man, he's on the top of my list. Andrew Knapp was, as we all know, but he's been playing good. But, you know, y'all it's know, Andrew Knapp. Y'all know how yeah. I feel about him. Let, let me say man. this. I'm going to pull up the stats real quick, and you guys aren't going to like what I have to tell you. Oh, and not to throw Joe Girardi under the bus or anything, but Jeez. the Gabe Kapler-led Giants are currently 25-24, and 24, a game better than the Phillies this season. So I'm not saying that Kapler's a better manager, but, hey, the, the problem wasn't the manager, obviously. The problem is the players. Get and the f- out! Specifically the bullpen. And let me say this. Jo- Jojo Romero has been a lone bright spot. The good news is, you know, he looks promising. He's a lefty, too, which there isn't a lot of talented lefty bullpen pieces out there. But if we just had a closer, and I know, I know, they don't just fall off the trees. But if we just had a guy who can get us three outs when he's called upon, we could easily have five more wins. I'm not saying we need to have the best pen in the in the game, right? I'm not saying we need five light lights out, you know, relievers. But a guy that you can count on, maybe two, that can come in and get you outs, even if you only have two guys that are reliable in the bullpen. That, that we're, what are we, 24 and 25 right now? But we could easily have what 20? You could argue 29, maybe even 30 wins with with a reliable closer, which we don't have. I hate Hector Neres. I, I hate every part of him. I hate his game. I hate when the fact that he has to come into the game. I cringe, all right? I damn near cry because he that man just frustrates my living soul. He truly now, T, does. We have some injuries. JT, Real Muto, obviously banged up with a hip injury. He tried to do some <sighs> light jogging on the field yesterday. I'm not going to say he re-aggravated it, but it's going to be a little bit more time before he's back. Hoskins could possibly undergo Tommy John surgery for, you know, that Marlins player ran into his arm uh, down in Miami, which is a whole nother story. I don't even want to talk about that series, mm, but uh, you know, it's the, the frustrating thing is we're probably going to the playoffs. And like how, how I mentioned at the start of this topic, are you know, kidding me? It's going to be another Sixers ride where we just get bounced by either the Padres, the Cubs, whoever it may be. Um, but again, uh, like we, we want to mention and try to resign JT, of course. But the problem is these injuries linger. And at this point in the season where it doesn't look like we're going to go anywhere, um, I just hope they don't rush these guys back too quickly. Because if they do, JT gets hurt, Hoskins. I mean, that would be a major surgery that Tommy yes, John if he were to have to do it uh, or have to undergo it. But, I mean, hopefully they don't get rushed back. And Segura, again, injured last night. I mean, they're dropping like flies. Mickey Moniak, who we haven't mentioned, gets called up, makes his major league debut. Yep. Um, and, again, I want to mention this real quick before. I know I know we want to change topics, but Adam Hazley, it's been a disappointment. We, we used the seventh overall pick on this guy, and and he just hasn't, hasn't turned into that everyday center fielder starter. That it's an outrage. 
it's frustrating because these high draft picks like Mickey Moniak, who was in the same draft class, I believe, as Pete Alonzo, who crushed 52 homers last year. I mean, the positives on Mickey Moniak is that he's getting stronger. He's getting bigger and, you know, he's, his, his speed and, and, you know, they're praising all of his attributes. But this guy was number one overall pick. T, if you have a number one overall football player who's picked and he's just getting into the league at four years after he's picked, that's laughable. I'm slapping the GM. I mean, this, this guy is just getting into the majors four years after he was taken, not a first round pick, but number one overall. I think it's laughable. It's Let's move on. Let's move on. I want to touch on the, these this award that came out today. Giannis winning the MVP, which I think is a complete joke. I know it's a regular really, season, but LeBron <laughs> wow. James, LeBron James should oh, have won on. the award. See, see, come on, LeBron should have won the award. He's the oh. best player. He's been the best player in the world for the last what 20, 15 years, and he should have won the. It should not be a regular That's season. That's not true. That's the thing I don't like about it. It should not be a regular season award. I mean, look at Giannis gets booted out of the playoffs again. The Bucks, I knew they were a joke from the beginning, right? My team, who I picked, was the Raptors. Yeah, okay, they got knocked out in seven games by the Celtics. But I knew the Bucks weren't going anywhere. I don't nah. think – I think Giannis is overrated. I, I really but they do. are who we thought they were. If he well, wasn't 6'11", Tanner, if he wasn't 6'11", there's oh, no way. On, there's no way he would be – I mean – he doesn't have. He, I just think he's overrated. Uh, that uh, everybody can come at me. Come at you're, me. I know. <laughs> you're you're right to your opinion. You're right to your Max opinion. But we today he was named MVP, first player since Olajuwon to win MVP and Defensive Player in the year uh, of the year in the same year. I'll go Ooh, down. Yeah. You mentioned the Bucks get eliminated, and that was a really quick elimination. They stayed alive after he got uh, injured. But you knew it was happening. You knew it was coming. You knew the Heat were going to win. Yep. This just shows, and I actually, when the show started, I got an alert. It said um, Giannis will stay with the Bucks, and he wants to stay. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure they had a, a long meeting, him and the team. And what I think should have went on in that meeting was, I don't know what was said, but uh, Giannis, he goes in that lot the, uh, to meet with the GM and he sits down and says, listen, this is what we need. This is what I need. This is who I need to win. To win. This is not a finals team right now. Yep. This team, you've seen it. Giannis gets hurt. This team can't do anything without him besides stay alive. You know, they're, if Giannis comes back in, that's a, they're all basing it around if Giannis is playing. Yep. You can't, you, that, you can't win a championship with just one player. Yep, they're a team Here's of my scrappers. argument. Here's my argument, yeah. and I'll let you go, too. Mm-hmm. They weren't playing real well with them. That's the thing. Like, yeah, okay, they were squeaking by teams, and, and even in the bubble when it started, okay, fine. But the thing that shocked me, and not saying it caused their, their season to just get derailed, but losing game one to the Magic. When I saw that happen, I was like, wait, what? The Magic? No Aaron Gordon in that game mm-hmm. either. He was banged up for that series. They let Vucevic, who who is don't get me wrong, he's a great player. They let him go for like thirty plus points and just dominated. And I was like, it's ridiculous. Okay, wait a second, like the Bucks. Everybody talking about them walking to the NBA Finals, but no. to lose that, I, I just thought. I mean, that just popped into my it's head. The I was bubble. Like, wow. It's the bubble, Max. This bubble is insane. We were talking about the Bucks getting eliminated, mm-hmm. and we see a few nights ago a team that. A lot of people thought we're going all the way this year. The Clippers were eliminated 
by the, the Denver the Nuggets. Nuggets, man. The Nuggets Insane. out of all teams. Now, mind you, I, I will say this. That Utah Jazz-Denver Nuggets uh, series, that was one of the best basketball series I have ever seen. All right, Jamal Murray and Donovan Mitchell, man, they were going off like crazy on each other, man. And and I that was just pure entertainment. I didn't think, honestly, I didn't think the Denver Nuggets would make it this far. What the hell has happened to the Clippers? All right, this was a team that was that had uh, finals expectations. It was supposed to be Clippers and Lakers, all right, for the finals, the Battle of L.A. And what happened to them? They just People disappeared. People were saying that since he got signed. Since Paul, they signed Kawhi, everybody was saying that. Western Conference Finals, Lakers, Clippers, but... Yeah, listen, Kawhi and Paul George were quiet in that fourth quarter yes, in Game were. 7. And Paul George, I mean, he was shooting balls off the side of the backboard. Social media was blowing up. Paul George has been off. Paul George has been off the entire playoffs. I don't know what's been going on with him, and I hope, you know, whatever's going on with him, I hope it gets better in all in all seriousness. But, man, he's got to get himself together. He can't yeah, come out like thing. that. He even playoffs. said it. You know, he was dealing yeah. with uh, anxiety and things like that, being mm-hmm. away from family and th- in, in the bubble, which is definitely understandable. but. Go ahead, Tanner. What do you got? Uh, T, you said the uh, the best matchup that you've seen was the Nuggets and the Jazz. And I, I got to say, the OKC and the Rockets matchup, mm. that was one of the best matchups I've seen. You have Chris Paul. They're, he's out for revenge, basically. Yeah. He, on an OKC team that wasn't supposed to make the playoffs, they were supposed to be one of the worst teams in the league yep. against yeah. Russ and James Harden, who James Harden was on the brink of choking uh, before they pulled that out. It, it makes you wonder if Russ and James Harden are what they were supposed to be in the beginning of the season. Can they really gel together? Are they players that can play together? I've I don't think that. so. I've said that. I, I, yeah. I don't know if you guys remember. I don't exactly remember the episode, and I hate being right, but of course I was right. Those two players, they just don't coexist because they're both alphas. They both demand the ball in their hands, and that's the biggest issue with the Rockets. It's You can't Listen, have two, two Rock- main ball-dominant players, especially with personalities like Russell Wilson, I mean, Russell Westbrook and James Harden. Just Russell Westbrook's a stats guy, Tanner. I think you know, he gets his regular season points. I mean, he had one, a couple of years ago, he had that one game where he had 20, 20, and 20. I mean, don't get me wrong. He's, he's ultra-talented. No doubt. But he's never going to – he's hard to play with. I mean, he doesn't shoot the ball at a high clip. He's not great from the free-throw line. And when you need him late in games, he doesn't show up. I mean, him and James Harden together, I, I never thought that was going to work from the beginning. I just thought that the Rockets felt like Chris Paul wasn't good enough to get it done. I didn't. I don't know what made him think Russell Westbrook was going to be good enough to get it done. I mean, look at the powerhouses they were competing with. I know, I know he's a star player and all, but I didn't think that was – I mean, they, got, they started playing that small ball game. and yeah. uh, I don't know. I, I feel like they just kind of they kind of went into that without really, you know, I planning. I'm not going to say everything they planned for it, obviously, but and then they made that Clint Capella trade kind of out of nowhere, and it was small ball from that yeah. point on. Yeah, and Rocco, he was a big part of Robert Covington. Yeah. And so we go to the Rockets year after year. They always seem to be one piece away from making that finals run. They add Russell Westbrook, and they mm-hmm. still don't get there. That's what's confusing to me. I guess the Rockets thought maybe it had something to do with head coach. Now, Max, you have something on – their head coach and involved with the 76ers? Yeah, so a rumor came out yesterday that uh, Mike D'Antoni, the former head coach of the Houston Rockets, is going to get interviewed this week, along with Billy Donovan, former head coach for the Oklahoma City Thunder. And they're saying that the Sixers want Mike D'Antoni. He's the front runner for the job. And as long as – let me get this quote here real quick. As long as he doesn't bust the interview – 
that he's going to get the job. So they use that word. I, I'm, I'm assuming that means as long as he doesn't show up in shorts and a t-shirt. Do we know it's hard? Uh, he'll get the job as long as he's professional about it. So I don't know if I'm loving – he's a good coach. Don't get me wrong. Look, he turned teams around that were pretty poor in the past. Um, and, again, the Rockets who brought him in uh, – he uh, people forget that he was an assistant under Brett Brown for a short period of time during the 2016 season. Um, and, listen, he's a good coach. The thing I like about him is his three-point mindset, which is what we need. We need to be able to shoot the basketball at a high clip. I now, agree with there's that. A, there's a difference between just shooting threes and, and being you know, efficient Reckless. at it. So, so you don't just want to start chucking them, and, and, and maybe he can turn Simmons into a guy who wants to shoot a little bit more. That, that's the positive from, for him. But another guy who I like is Billy Donovan. I think he's a good coach, too. I mean, listen, nobody predicted OKC to be anywhere near as good as they were this season. He really took a team with Chris Paul and a bunch of guys who you, you didn't really hear of before, and he took them deep in the playoffs, and he almost upset the Rockets. So you got to give him credit. Yeah. My thing, uh, with, my thing with Dan Tony is, and I, I like his offensive mindset and the fact that he does um, increase um, the percentage of offenses, whoever he coaches. I, I love that aspect of him. However, yeah, I, I, the, whoever gets hired here is is they they're going to be having a ton of headaches. They're not going to get much. Sleep I was about to because, say, yeah, because um, one of your biggest headaches is the fact that your point guard slash small forward doesn't want to shoot, ain't shooting a lick. Okay, now here's the problem. Here's the problem, Tate, and this goes back to what we've been talking about for years now with the Simmons and Bead argument. Um, and I, I like to bring up this question to you guys uh, every few months because so much stuff changes in Philadelphia sports and opinions change. Do you guys think that these two can still coexist with a new coach? I mean, is, does it matter that Brett Brown's not here? Can they coexist? If you had the option, would you deal one of them in a trade before the upcoming season starts? And, uh, you know, I don't know if you would add a shooter, add first-round picks. Like, what, what do you guys think? Where are your mindset at with this team? This this is a question that has a lot of emotion behind it as Philly fans because you'll want to keep both of them. you want to think that they can both coexist. And I personally do think – that they can still coexist, but in the opportunity of, you know, sending one off, keeping one here and making the team better, you got to go back and think maybe Ben Simmons would be the better option to keep back. Really? T, T, yeah. I know that you love Joel Embiid and you want Joel Embiid because you hate Ben Simmons and the fact that he can't shoot the ball. I'm not going to say I hate Ben Simmons. I love his game. It's just that, in order for them, for those two, I think they can play together. If I, honestly, if I was a basketball coach and I was coming into this job, I would try to find a way to work both of them and work and keep both of them for at least a year. However, the thing about it is the only way they can coexist, Ben Simmons has got to, he has got to be a threat on the offensive uh, side of the ball. Besides the fact that, you know, he's a driver and a cutter. All right, I need you to start shooting them Jays, not just shooting the Jays, hitting the Jays. Okay, like I need you in that gym practicing your jump shot and being confident in that jump shot because what happens is when you have that jump shot, okay, now the defense can't necessarily collapse into the paint yeah. on Joel Embiid. That opens up Joel Embiid. Embiid gets left one on one. Okay, they want to start double teaming Joel Embiid, kick it out. Ball can start moving around to your four perimeter to your four guys on the perimeter. Most likely, they're going to be shooters. So guess what? Somebody's going to be open for a shot. It's things like that. It's just this. This I'm not a not a basketball coach, but it's just things like that that I'm envisioning in my head that I that would just make this system work. 
that's just my now, here's thing. here's my problem with this i don't i'm not gonna say they can't play together but i think they'd be better off without each other i think is a good way to word it because I don't know if it was the offense with Brett Brown, but I, how many times have we saw Joel Embiid inbound the ball on the other end and have to run all the way down the floor? Mm-hmm. It's, it's so stupid. I, I don't think that I, – I, I know Simmons loves to run, and I just don't think Embiid wants to go with that fast-paced offense. And Mike D'Antoni was a slow-paced guy, if, if, I, if I remember. I'm not an expert on the Rockets, but when I would watch him play, I don't remember them getting out and transitioning and running. I, I remember James Harden bringing the ball up the court, and he'd get a screen at the top of the key, and, and then they would work their offense off of that. So – if I had to pick, if that's the guy that we want, if we want a slow-paced guy, the better option might be to keep Joel Embiid. But if you ask me right now, I want to keep Ben Simmons. I just don't think Joel Embiid's built for an 82-game season. I think he 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 disappeared. I'm not saying he didn't disappear in these playoffs because he didn't have a running mate with him. No, he did. But I just don't think his health's going to hold up. I, as a big man in this league, I think we're shying away from big men. I know Nikola Jokic is the exception right now in in Denver. Like like he's been playing it out of his mind. I get that, but. If we can get Ben, even if he doesn't shoot the ball as much as we do, he definitely needs to shoot it. I'm not saying he doesn't, but if we can build, you know, stretch fours around him, and mm-hmm. I, I would try to get him beat out of there and, and maybe move Horford, who I still think is a solid player. A lot of people hate out Horford. We've heard around Philly, oh, he sucks. You know, he can't fit the scheme. If he were to go back to his natural position at center and, and play just that solid defensive rebound role like he's accustomed to, that he's played his whole career in Atlanta. Um, then I think he would be better fit there. Now, Tobias Harris, he's a completely different story. I, I he think is. he's just an overpaid player. Um, he's a starter in this league, I think, but he needs another running mate with him, and that's where we go and get the guy like Zach Levine from Chicago or somebody along those lines mm-hmm. in a Joel Embiid trade. Yeah, it, it's really a shame because at the beginning of the season, you're expecting Joel first Joel Embiid to be better with his nutrition. All right, he needed a nutritionist. and Because that secondly, guy doesn't know what the hell he's doing. You expect Ben Simmons to develop that three shot. I honestly, I didn't see enough to uh, persuade us to not look forward to that next season. I, there's still the same problems. Yep. Yeah. If I, I say, you. if I make a prediction right now, and what I would do, just as an opinion, Billy Donovan is a really good coach, and he also coached Al Horford in college. I would love to see them move Embiid, get a huge package because his value is not going to be any higher than what it is right now. You can get maybe a couple first rounders, maybe you can get. A really, uh, a really solid shooter, uh, Bradley Beal or, or Zach Levine, like I mentioned, somebody like that. And, and then we, we get Billy Donovan in here who's proven what he's won at the college level. He's won at the, at the pro level. He's coached Horford, who I think he, we're not going to trade this guy, I don't think. No one's going to give us anything. So he's going to be here for three more years, and we got to get the most out of him and, and hopefully uh, get another – like uh, J.J. Reichel, like we mentioned, was perfect for Ben Simmons and being able to get him out on the wing and uh, get, get guys that be, be able to shoot the basketball around Ben Simmons. And uh, I just think it would be a better fit. So I would go – if you ask me right now today, I say Billy Donovan, the head coach, and uh, trade Embiid and get it as, as big a package as you can for him because, you know, I, I just think that would give us the best chance of winning. Um, and you see teams that we're competing against. The Celtics aren't going anywhere. The Miami Heat, look what they're doing right now with Jimmy Butler. and mm-hmm. There's really, really talented unit. teams. Yeah. Gotta, they're, they're, they don't have like – they're like nine guys deep in that. The rotation. They are. I mean, they're really solid overall. Even Jay Crowder just had a resurgence in Miami. So it's going to, it remains to be seen. Maybe by next show where we got a new head coach, who knows? But uh, that's what I would do at this point in time. But uh, tell you that time, I think we got to yeah. shut it down. Yeah, it's about that time. All right, fellas. All right, everybody. Don't miss any of this episode. You can always go to Philly experience.simplecast.com. Found on all major platforms, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and the whole shebang. We're going to be coming back with you every week. 
So stay tuned. And hey, check us out on the Instagram at the Philly Experience Podcast for any news updates. And hey, you never know. We might just surprise you with a video like we did last week. We debuted on the bird's nest last week. So hey, just stay tuned. Stay safe, everybody. It's funny to me, too. Give me a green right slot, spider two Y banana. It's stupid. We was catching him, unlike Aguilar. Crap ass Vargas. <laughs>